Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. Each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? So welcome, friends, to a new episode of The Soul Kitchen. I'm talking to Nicholas and Nikki, a couple that I met in Ecuador, in the Satyawasi community, where we were for an ayahuasca retreat. And um, Nicholas is an extreme sports guy and former world record holder in... um, altitude slacklining or he had the highest uh, slacklining attempt in the world and Nikki is a yoga and meditation teacher and they are now living together and also joining forces in becoming coaches where they bring their professional expertise uh, to the coaching fields and we met over a few ayahuasca ceremonies so we already discussed a lot of uh, things they were my echo yoga teachers uh, in the jungle and it was really fun to experiment with this uh, this new technique. And today we're going to talk about facing your fears, living your dreams, and uh, not feeling limited by, I don't know, where you come from or by certain beliefs that you have. So my first question uh, is to you, Nicholas. So your TED talk is about uh, finding balance in extreme sports. Why did you choose that uh, title for your TED talk? Um, I chose it. Because I think uh, it's a process. It's not, it's not a right or wrong, but you have to always adapt to um, the current situation. So I like that uh, metaphor, finding the balance. And also because I do slacklining. So I know it from my own experience that slacklining is something really fluid. You, you always keep on moving to find the balance. And I think also when you have to um, make the right decisions, you have to stay flexible and moving in your mind. Yeah. And can you explain people uh, what is slacklining for those that maybe are not aware of what it is? Yeah, sure. Uh, slacklining is similar to tightrope walking. So you have um, a thin, usually it's one inch wide um, slackline. It's out of polyester, for example. Then you tension it, let's say, between two trees, and then you can balance on it. You don't need a pole in your hands. You just uh, have your own body for balancing. And what I did then eventually was I did this not just between two trees, but also in the mountains high up between, yeah, on on cliffs and, um, but usually with a safety harness. So you're attached to the high line and then you balance Uh, high up in the air and that's also something pretty intense and a crazy experience and how has your journey been uh, from at some point you were born and at some point you were world record holder slack climbing Um, can you take us a bit on that process what have been your steps uh, in between (laughs) well let's say my family was always into sports so I learned skiing, I think, at the age of three or four. And 
I always did a lot of sports, gymnastics and so on. And then eventually a friend of mine asked me whether he should get a slack line. And I thought, well, that sounds boring, but he got it anyways. And then we tried it together for the first time. And I was really surprised that I couldn't walk over it. It was really short, like five meters long or something. And I thought, why is this so hard? I want to be able to do this. So I, I was instantly hooked and I wanted to get over there. And then I got my own slack line. I tried flips on it, like a backflip and so on. And um, eventually I met people who do it also um, up high. And then a, a totally different journey started again. Mm. So your family was into uh, into sports. And when did you realize that you wanted to go into more extreme sports? Did certain people inspire you? or? Um, I think as a youth, I, I really liked some uh, TV shows where they were showing like skiers, snowboarders doing crazy flips and so on. And they also had sometimes clips of people base jumping, so jumping from buildings or even flying with wingsuits back then. And I I always thought that sounds pretty or looks pretty cool and must be a great thing to experience. And then um, when I finally met somebody who already did highlining and they asked me whether I want to join, it, the answer was already uh, obvious. I was like, yes, I, I'd love to. I, I'd love to try that. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I think it's uh, really unique. I've never met someone doing these these things. And, and one of the topics is, of course, you have to face your uh, fears. So can you explain a bit how that worked for you? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, you, when you, let's say when you, go on to a high line, um, you realize, oh, wow, this is different than <clears throat> balancing in the park. <laughs> Suddenly there's uh, nothing beneath your feet. There's just air and it's hard to focus. And then you realize your body feels different. You're more shaky. And now you're supposed to stand up on the high line and relax and balance. And you're already in this crazy state, you're agitated and you're, you're scared, you're frightened. And so highlining is a really crazy practice of overcoming that fear because you, you can only really balance well when you manage to relax. And so that was for me a really crazy challenge. I, I really liked it and it, it's a game. and it becomes easier and easier the more you do it. And of course, it's a, it's a certain fear. That doesn't mm. mean that I have overcome all my fears in my life. <laughs> but I, I sort of started to realize how fears work, that once you do overcome them, they, they tend to go away and then things become much easier. Because mm. can you explain a little bit the process of how it works with fears? You, you already said that they can go away, but how, how does it work? Uh, I think it's important to take the, uh, take small steps or at least take adequate adequate steps. Mm -hmm. So if you if you do um, 
let's say if let's stick with highlining. So if I'm afraid of heights and the first time I try to walk a high line without any safety, then of course that will be way too much. That's just a huge step and it doesn't make any sense. So you try to make the adjustment small. Maybe you choose a high line that, that, that isn't even that high. Mm -hmm. And then it's much easier for your mind. So you just choose the right step size and then you do it until you feel comfortable and then you can um, level up again. I think that's important. And But of course, sometimes what helped me is that in my mind, I knew sort of more of a rational thing, a rational thought. I knew, okay, I just have to do it. <laughs> so I knew I, I'm maybe I'm scared, but I know nothing will happen. I'm safe, for example, on a high line. So I just need to do it, although there is the fear. And sometimes you have to take that leap of faith. And I'm pretty sure that also um, works with uh, fears in other parts of your life. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you just have to do it. You have to step into it. Is there something that you prepare, like uh, meditation, yoga, breath work? Mm, so what I also do, so I also uh, do base jumping <clears throat> and wingsuit flying. And... So there, before I jump, I usually try to um, slow my breath down. If I realize that I'm, I'm sort of um, taking faster breaths because I'm maybe a bit more excited than I want to be, then I really just to try to take deep breaths and slow down and clear my mind. So yeah, definitely um, meditation can help. But I think in the case of highlining, highlining already is meditation. <laughs> mm, so it's a meditation in itself. But preparing with the breath can uh, can help. And you, Nikki, because you're a yoga and uh, meditation teacher, can you tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think um, my way into this spiritual and this uh, world of sports and movement was totally different so i came from a family without any um yeah sports surrounding or sports in the background i didn't had um opportunities to do so many sports or kind of meditations or yoga in my childhood or in my teenager years um but I always felt kind of a lack of sense like there have to be something more um, in my life than with just working or um, yeah, you know staying in a, in a limited mindset and so I started I think when I was about 20 21 um, did my first yoga class it was more like you know I want to try something new I did um, different kinds of meditations or movement practices but yeah finally find home in the yoga classes and the yoga practices um, but I have to say, I tried different styles and different yoga traditions until I found the tradition I, I stayed with and the one I'm teaching since, yeah, almost four years right now. Yeah. And what is that tra tradition about? Um, it's called Ashtanga Vinyasa. It's more a dynamic yoga. That's what I'm, I'm coming from, more a sporty one. Um, 
for me, I had to get used to the thought that I'm a sporty person because I started late. Um, but when I found out, I really start enjoying a sweaty practice. And this vinyasa style means that you change your asanas or your position with kind of almost every breath. So it's very fast, very moving, and you can really connect with your breath and this natural yeah, movement of your body that you have within while you're breathing. Mm. You mentioned that uh, you, you talked about yoga, but you also mentioned your childhood, you, you didn't want to be limited. Can you tell a bit more about the, the process of how you've been limited, how you bro broke through it, and maybe what role yoga played in it? Mm. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, the role yoga played <laughs> that came later in my life, um, just as I mentioned. Um, but yeah, I would say what really lifts me up is that I came from a more, yeah, not a wealthy family with a more lower income. And I mean, we had all, we live in Germany, we have a good health and yeah, social system. So, um, but still there was this mindset or these beliefs of, um, there was missing something or there was a lack in my life. And so I always had the feeling I'm not good enough to have a higher education. So we're a worker family. So I yeah, wasn't supposed to have a higher education or uh, to study. Just things like this didn't happen in our family and even movement, sports or um, inner transformations like um, developing your own personality um, that's not a thought my family is coming from. They're, um, yeah, easy persons. They like the little things. They like good food, but nothing like vacations or cars or big education. And so when I um, experience that I'm still missing something and that, that I have a need for something more, for something bigger, um, that even maybe kind of separates me a little from my family because I started late to... Um, study later or even go into the evening school next to my job and started to study and do it my own way and getting out of these limitations that my family teached me and yeah tried it on myself mm. can you give an example of something that you decided to try uh, for example the first movement practices like yoga or meditations what was for my family totally crazy we're not a spiritual or religious family so yeah it wasn't easy for me to talk about this and even when I started um, to study there wasn't so much like financial support which even wasn't that possible but even um, this mentally support wasn't so there mm -hmm. you know they were more like scared about me they are workers and they want me um, that I can yeah care for my own that I can make my own money that I can have a good job and that's if you study and go to school longer maybe you will fail and you will not get that much money so mm. it was way easier for my parents to teach me go start early with working and go get early into the market <laughs> mm. and um, start training and so I did I started working when I was 16 and I super happy that I was able to make all the business mistakes <laughs> very early <laughs> and so i had the time when i was um yeah in my 20s to discover my bigger goal in life and to discover where i want to go and to start searching my spiritual way mm. and what is your bigger goal in life 
Hmm, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it changes sometimes. Sometimes I reach my goals. You know, I learned that I can uh, really achieve what I want and I can really become the person I would love to be. And then I become the person and then I have new goals. <laughs> so right now my goal is to, uh, yeah, to do that what I love more and more in my life. And right now this is um, to touch people with the work I'm doing, with mm -hmm. the meditations, with this guidance I can give, with the space I can hold for them. Is it with yoga or with meditation or with personal coaching? Um, that's something that's so sweet, sweet, sweet for me right now. Mm -hmm. And that puts my heart up. So you want to guide and coach people. Um, but in Ecuador, where we met, you also have been guided and coached by uh, something called ayahuasca, the two of you. Uh, ayahuasca is also a good guide. So maybe you want to share. Um, now, first, why did you choose to go there? Maybe, Nicholas, you want to start? Mm, actually, it's better for Nikki to start <laughs> because he brought it up. Ah, okay, Nikki, can you share why did you choose to go there? Yeah, I already had a thought since years, you know, I had a couple of friends who already did it and um, I already tried it two years ago with a good friend of mine. She's living in Guatemala and we want to go together to Peru and all was planned. And on the day I went to the airport, um, yeah, I had a positive COVID test. <laughs> yeah, so I had um, COVID and couldn't fly. I wasn't able to fly to Peru. And so my whole ayahuasca trip was like canceled from one second to another. And I was totally, um, yeah, yeah, sad about this. And then I thought maybe it's better. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not on the in the right state of my life. I'm not far enough. And then I was traveling like two, three years later and was traveling through South America as well, alone by myself. And then Nicholas um uh, told me that he would like to visit me and yeah so we chose ecuador it was easy for both of us to reach and after three months of being apart he stayed in germany i was in colombia this time we chose ecuador to meet there and so the idea came up like automatically i thought about it a couple of years ago already you know ecuador is known for his very or for its very traditional way of using plant medicine and ayahuasca and that was something we was looking for if we would do ayahuasca i think we both was sure we want to do it with a tribe we want to do it um, very authentic in the amazonia and really guided with shamans and so yeah i think the topic was in the air like for years almost mm. or for a couple of months definitely and so it just all came together that I was traveling in this area. And yeah, we decided to meet there. <laughs> and how was it for you, Nicholas, when Nikki uh, was talking about this idea? Was it already on your mind or was it kind of a new idea? Uh, I had heard about it, but I think on my own, I never would have decided to actually go there. But then again, recently, I've been more and more interested in meditation and certain states of consciousness that you can reach apparently through meditation mm -hmm. and i i also read about um yeah certain let's say psychedelics that could also help you to um, experience that so i was already interested in certain 
psychedelics. I was reading about it also like the, the healing nature of it and the therapeutic potential of it. And so somehow it just made sense for me as well. It, it was the right time for me to um, go for it. So I, yeah, I liked it. I liked that. Let's say coincidence or maybe no yeah. coincidence. Maybe no coincidence. And um, now when you look back at the experience, what, what are some some of the key uh, things that it brought you, so to say? Uh, maybe, Nikki, you want to start? Yeah, I would love to start because it's, it's easy and fast. Trust. Trust? <laughs> trust. <laughs> I started or, or I deepened my trust, my trust in life, in myself. It was so inspiring to feel the connection and to yeah it feels so so real for me what i experienced there and it was the most part this big trust in my life in myself and my surrounding in this world <laughs> and yeah that fills me up with a lot of um gratefulness and that's something that i can still feel in my everyday life and in the step i'm going now and the future plans i'm doing this trust that gives me confidence and let me grow. Yeah. I I recognize that. It also gave me a certain trust. I trusted that I want to go to the Amazon and then be there. And definitely some things have been addressed in my life, also by the great support of Scott, by meeting you guys. But it's kind of you you feel it inside the trust instead of that you know it, right? It's more not. It's more, um, maybe it's a knowing, but it's kind of something that you feel inside. Or can you describe how this trust feels for you? Or... Yeah, yeah, it's not rational. I already had this feeling a couple of times, you know, in a rational way that, you know, I know it's all good. I'm educated enough. I'm strong. I'm healthy. Um, um, it's all good for me. But now I feel like this whole life is working for me. <laughs> Mm. and that um, I can just, you know, more like letting go and more floating into my life. There's now not more this need of finding and searching and where is my place? What is my perfect business? Uh, what is my perfect lifestyle? I am more able, and that's a point where even meditation and yoga helped me a lot, more able to enjoy the process and enjoy this um, stillness and this feeling of receiving. So trust and uh, and stillness and not overthinking if you're in the perfect place or the perfect spot. Yeah, yeah because that's a bit, comes to me. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a risk anyway, right? Because you're always changing. So sure, it's ne never perfect. And um, Nicholas, for you, what is kind of the yeah, some of the insights that you 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 got from it. Mm, insights. Well, let's say for me it was um, pretty inspiring because I met some uh, amazing people there. I also learned a lot about trust and uh, about my mind. I think I managed to let go of quite some quite a lot of negative feelings as well because that's what I also still experience right now is that I'm. Um, that I also still trust more. I, I doubt myself less. And But for me, the most important thing was it gave me back a vision of uh, where I want to go. Mm -hmm. 
I, I had ideas, but it wasn't, I wasn't really convinced. I was doubting them. And now I, yeah, I got, I got the wind back into my sails. <laughs> mm. You got the wind back into your sails. That's, that's amazing. So what are you now going to do uh, that you maybe were still doubting before to kind of bring it back to the practical, practical world? So what I experienced uh, in one of the ceremonies was a deep feeling of love and connection that I, I never experienced like that before. And with that combined, I had some thoughts um, that seemed really right. Mm. And one of them was, I want to help people. And so... Uh, I, I don't want to do my own projects and well, I sort of still want to do that, but that's not the main priority. I, uh, I want to share it with people and I feel like I've um, learned quite a lot of things in, in my life already and it would be nice to give something back. And mm. so one um, consequence was that I started the, the coaching program so I can work more on on that on that skill and also it's a coaching that actually um is about helping people to go uh, through a psychedelic experience so it would also um enable me to give people the, uh, help people receive the experience or make the experience that i had mm. so um Let's see where this is going, but I'm I'm really excited. And what's the name of the coaching program? Uh, it's called Being True to You. Mm, being True to You. And what type of psychedelics is part of it? So how does it work? Is it like a one-week thing? Is it like a one-year thing? What type of psychedelics or what's the, the idea? Um, well, the basic idea is, let's say... Um, they try to... Um, teach you how you can heal people and the way you heal people in their opinion is to lead them back to their true self mm -hmm. to their essence which is um, sort of blocked by certain ways of suffering maybe or because of addictions they have so a big um, part of the coaching is actually um, addiction phenomena phenomena and the recovery from addiction and only the last part is about um, working with psychedelics mm. and they also say it's not necessary to work with them so they it's a really individual approach of coaching which mm. probably is often the case but maybe not so often with uh, addiction treatment yeah and um, I think it's nice that you're doing this and to what extent do you bring your um, extreme sports background into this uh, process. So you have the coaching, you have the psychedelic, you have the extreme sport. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Um, so what I hope to do is that I can um, help people um, working with their fears in some way, because I feel like I'm experienced in that area. So it would be nice to um, help people with my experience there. So, I would say I am pretty courageous and maybe that can help people 
find their courage uh, in tackling their own problems. So that would be something that I uh, would love to see. And besides that, I guess I'm just really curious. I like learning and I like to see where this where this goes when you really trying to um, yeah, connect with people uh, people on a deeper level. I think it can be really rewarding. And so I have been curious all of my life and I think that's a nice new way of progressing. No. I think it's a nice triangle, the coaching, the psychedelics and, and moving through fears with your extreme sports background. But I'm curious, you mentioned the addiction piece. Is that something you're specifically interested in? Or because th that part I, I didn't hear earlier. Um, actually, I'm not particularly interested in it, or at least I wasn't before I started. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just part of the coaching, and I was like, mm, I don't know if I need that, but hey, let's still do it. And now that I heard it, I thought it was really interesting because mm -hmm. it's the more general view on addictions that everybody has a way uh, has their addiction mm -hmm. if it's a screen addiction pornography shopping um and of course like drugs alcohol or whatever or adrenaline addiction yeah and the thing is a lot of times you might be um using the addiction to avoid um, feelings that are underneath it if you don't mm. do it so for me it was a really interesting view on it and I didn't expect it so it's not it has not been my uh, favorite topic but now I'm, I'm I think it's a really interesting thing to look at so you discovered that uh, during the process and maybe at Satyawasi we also touched upon topics such as addiction and at some point you start to realize that it's very, a lot of people struggle with it, right? So you also, I think the deeper you go into this world, you realize how many people actually struggle with it. Uh, so I can also imagine that it came to the surface. So in my case, at this moment, I'm in a pretty good place in my life, I feel. Retreat has also been great for me and I feel relatively balanced. Still, there's it can be a bit in the trap, as you've also noticed, like the being busy trap, right? So I'm excited about my projects. Then you get busy because you're busy. You forget your morning practice because you forget your morning practice. You feel busy. It's kind of the busyness trap. Um, and I took some time off uh, recently, so I felt less busy, but now the soul kitchen is picking up, you know, retreats, I'm going to also retreat. So before you know it, you're back in the business trap. But how would you uh, address that topic as a, a coach? Uh, and where would you start? Because I have it, but many people have this trap. So how would you uh, approach that? We're going to make it a bit experiential now, this session. So... <laughs> <laughs> And, and the reason I'm asking you, because during the retreat in Ecuador, you guys are doing hosting a morning practice. So, so you seem, and, and the yoga. So 
you come across as kind of balanced. So I was curious, like, how would you start? All right. Okay. So I'm I'm not that far into my coaching program, but I can definitely tell you my opinion. <laughs> yes. Um, I think um, there needs to be um, like a strong will that something has to change. Otherwise, you won't change. So if you don't know why you're doing it for, then at least for me, that's not motivating. So I experienced some periods in my life where I was depressed and I, I really thought, okay, I need to change something. And then you actually do it. And then you, when you over, when you reach a different state, then you, you don't want to go back anymore. So with the busyness prep, <laughs> if you if you feel like okay you're i'm i'm working too much i'm doing it over and over again and then i feel bad and there is a problem that's a pattern and i want to break through this pattern then you you need to find your own solution what works for you maybe you take uh, less of the um less appointments or maybe you say okay sometimes it's okay that I'm too busy, but then I take a longer break again and then I'm, I, I can ground myself again. I think it's up to uh, the individual to decide, but the important thing is to actually notice that something is wrong and that you want to change it. Mm, I see. So it's first with noticing and it's really wanting to make a change. Otherwise you, you, you won't make it. Um, and, and Nikki, from your point of view, um, what is your view on on uh, being busy? I mean, have you been busy in the past, or yeah, what's your yoga teacher? What's your view on being busy? Uh, yeah, plenty of times. You know, I'm more um, or I'm more in danger of getting in burnout as in uh, bored out. <laughs> I like projects and I like doing a lot of stuff. So yeah, I can really uh, feel into this being busy. Um, of course, there are plenty of options. Let's first take a breath. That's always helpful, but sometimes even this one breath or this three breath, three breath breaths aren't enough. So, yeah, it sounds like something you could change on your daily life. And then it's important or maybe a way to prioritize, to get back or to step away away from all this schedules and all this stuff to do and um, check what do I need right now um, what is my next step what is really important for my projects from all these things I got to do what is really the important stuff for me what do I want to put more in my life and maybe it's easier for you to um, make the decision in which direction do I want to go um, which tasks will get more attention and more time. And so on some days it can be okay to skip your morning practice and to skip your meditation and your yoga um, when you feel that you're still close to yourself. And with I think with mindfulness and awareness for you and your thoughts, you will realize the time when you get more away from your, your, your true vision and the things that are important for you. And then it can help again to get into your practice, to take this time and to prioritize yourself. Because I think when you're close to yourself, you, you will always realize that you're worth it. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And how do you do that at a daily basis? Basis. What is your daily practice? Mm-hmm. I even don't have a daily practice. I skip it from day to day. I try to meditate daily. There are days that are working really good. There are days that are, yeah, what it might not work that good. I'm even a practitioner. I'm a forever seeker and student. So my daily practice is about um, being mindful in my daily tasks um, to to observe myself, the way I'm talking, the way um, how I'm thinking, where are my scares, where are my fears, what am I scared for, uh, where are my thoughts, uh, what am I doing when I'm bored, when I'm stressed, um, what kind of things didn't do my hands like to do when I'm stressed or when I get when I want to get out of a situation where I feel uncomfortable. Or yeah, this mindfulness in my daily life and the people I'm surrounding myself with. And of course, uh, on better days when I have more time and when I felt that I lost myself a little, I do my 60-minute Ashtanga Vinyasa yoga class. <laughs> mm. And it might be sweaty and I need more time for breathing and I need more time than 20 minutes of meditating. So I try my 20 to 30 minutes meditating in the morning and there might be days that I need more and there might be days when I need less. But I feel the days when I skipped my meditation, <laughs> they're different. And it's easier for me when I get when I really get this shift in in the morning and get close to myself. Mm, I see. So the the meditation is really important, and you take this Ashtanga yoga sometimes. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing. I think that was an interesting topic: the the, the busyness uh, trap that many people can uh, can be <laughs> can be mm-hmm. caught in. So let's talk about another topic a bit: your shared vision uh, for the future. Because in Ecuador, we were talking that you are two individuals. At some point in life, you cross path. You maybe want to host retreats together. Um, so can you give an update with me, but also with the people listening? So what is your shared vision for the future? So there's a new development. We can actually return to the tribe in Ecuador where we met you and uh, had our ayahuasca experiences. And Nikki can teach yoga and meditation there. And hopefully I can already um, work as a coach. And this can be a really great experience for us to, um, yeah, experience how it is to to work in that field, um, helping and healing people. And I think that can be really fulfilling. And then... I think from there on, we will plan the next steps. But for us, it's really nice to get this opportunity. What do you think? Yeah, Nikki, tell me. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, we were so lucky and so surprised. Dr. Scott, um, the um, psychotherapist you even already interviewed here um, on, for your for his recipe of life, Jasper, uh, Dr. Scott Irvin, he asked us and he, uh, yeah, asked us to come back and to work with him. And we both, I think, was pretty sure very soon they want to come back. At first, to live in the Ecuadorian jungle. I mean, what an adventure! <laughs> <laughs> what an adventure. But, even, 
Yeah, awesome. Wow. What kind of people you're meeting there? The the guests and clients that are coming there are so interesting people. Um, to work more with the medicine it was so interesting to to see what ayahuasca changed in our life already changed. You know, we will um yeah, change our whole lives. <laughs> we will I will quit my apartment, my job, and we'll go back to Ecuador to live there in the jungle with Dr. Scott and Uh, helping people to heal and it's so wonderful to use my experience um, that I had with yoga and meditation and yeah different kinds of self-development and now even with my coaching experience that I'm collecting right now to to really support the clients and patients that come from everywhere in the world come into the jungle to Yeah, getting healed with the medicine. And it's an honor for me to work there and to learn from Dr. Scott and to uh, yeah, grow with even with Nicholas in our new steps. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And I think it will, will, will really transform us in a um yeah, in a professional way, way, in a personal way. I think it's really touching, it's really something what happens inside me when I'm working in this field. But even for us as a couple to work together the first time and to live so close to each other and to, yeah, really get so close into this psychedelic, psychedelic stuff as well. And yeah, that's really intense, I can imagine. We're super excited for this new step. <laughs> yeah, no one really knows what will happen after. So um, it's a very exciting step. But when we met you also talked you know about maybe hosting retreats in some parts of the world there's probably a lot of work especially in the beginning to recruit individuals and now it's such a wasi people are coming and you can focus on your new activity right as a guide and uh, in the jungle so that, that is pretty incredible and um um are you planning to stay there for a certain amount of time or is it kind of undefined hmm. Um, yeah, that's hard to say. We just kind of planned like for six months. So we'll go back in October. That's um, six months now, October 23. And you know, it's a thing about the visa and the money, how it will all work. They're not like uh, any contract we're having or any securities. <laughs> so it might be longer or shorter. It's hard for us to say. Um, yeah, I think we don't have any plans yet about the amount of time we'll spend there, it's open. Um, I try to live in trust now. I try to um, live more free of, um, yeah, and to take the possibilities I have or that will, yeah, yeah will come to me. But yeah, I still love living in Munich in Germany. It's still a beautiful life here. And it could even be very possible that after the six months, we'll come back to Germany and... Uh, start a new life here, even with maybe doing retreats or working in different types of coachings. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And if people that are listening want to come to Ecuador, if they want to go on an ayahuasca retreat, what are some of your recommendations if people are still doubting whether to go? What are some practical tips? Yeah, there are uh, plenty of them. If you want to work with, them, with ayahuasca and the medicine, um, I would always recommend to just start your journey from inside so not give too much on information from outside just more listen to yourself um why do i want to make this step into my 
why do I want to get closer to myself? And why do I want to use such a strong medicine for helping? And what is the what is the call directly? And then inform yourself. Um, when you're sure you want to do it, get online, try to find a good retreat in the Satchawasi retreat where we all three ended up. There was the possibility to call the psychotherapist who was living there, to call Dr. Scott and just talk to him, to a specialist for 30 minutes. And he will guide you through this, um, to your medical background, to your psychic, psychotic background, or your, yeah, uh, mentally background, and to find out if it's the right for you, and uh, which center or which tribe, uh, which part of the world is the right for you. And what is the right time? Mm. And Nicholas, do you have any additional uh, recommendations? Um, so I can definitely um, <laughs> chime in on that. That I think it's important to know your intention, to know why you you're going for that step, and when you decided to go for it, then stick with it and trust. It's all about trust and it's a crazy journey and everybody has his own or her own experience. And so it's hard to generalize. And also, I don't want to um, give too much away, but I think it can be a really transformational experience. And if you decide on doing it, make sure that you also integrate what you have uh, have experienced so not just let's say take some psychedelics at home and then um, hope for a healing effect but rather try to um, do it consciously and have maybe some expert who can help you to make sense of what happened during uh, that experience during the uh, trip or whatever you might call it the ceremony and that can make the benefits of it much longer lasting and so also much better, much more profound. Mm, I see. Yeah. Well, what an adventure you're embarking on. I think this brings me to the next question. Uh, in the Soul Kitchen, I always ask people what their recipe uh, for life is. Um, so maybe, Nicholas, do you want to start? Like, what is kind of the recipe for life you want to share with the listener? So... I will go for face your fears <laughs> because I think that fits uh, really well to my lifestyle. Um, I made some unconventional uh, decisions in my life, but I never regretted them, at least not for long. Sometimes I thought I should have done something better, but in the end, now I'm really happy about where my life has taken me and I think fears are either signaling you danger and then you can just stop being afraid and know oh I shouldn't go that way that's dangerous mm -hmm. or you can figure out well this fear is irrational then let's face it go through it and live a better life after it <laughs> mm. so face your fears is kind of your your recipe for life and nikki hmm. yeah, i love this <laughs> um 
I totally believe in the power of trust, as I mentioned already, um, and trusting yourself, especially trusting the world, which is a really, really good place, which with really good people, and trust that you're that you're protected, that you can protect yourself. I think it's um, we're kind of a society which limits itself, and so. It's so easy to make yourself small and to hide yourself into behind fears and to make yourself smaller than you are. And I think that's a big loss for the world. <laughs> so everyone should uh, go their own paths and find their dreams and follow the goals that they want to have in their lives. So yeah, trust mm -hmm. yourself and go for your dreams. <laughs> for self and go for your dreams and they're also based on your own childhood experiences right where you stretch your limits for your own dreams exactly exactly yeah wow thank you for sharing your your recipes um i think there has been shared a lot of wisdom already so far is there a topic that we haven't uh, talked about that you would like to talk about or share with the world <laughs> He's complete for us, I think. <laughs> He's complete? That's good. That's good. I wanted to, to check in, but I think uh, we had a very complete uh, podcast. So I want to thank you for your, um, uh, for your, yeah, for your time and, uh, and wisdom. Maybe as a final piece, I mean, we already touched upon a few practicalities, but if people are listening and, and they're curious to meet you or connect with you or work with you, um, I mean, are you open for that? How can they reach you? Maybe some practical end note yeah maybe if they want to come to the jungle to us <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a possibility or even meet us online for online coachings maybe about my website that could be an idea it's in english and german um it's um, nikki n-i-c-k-y minus nilaya n-i-l-a-y-a <laughs> Dot de. Thank and you, are, Nicholas. We are on Instagram, of course. Yeah, we are also on Instagram, so maybe that um, is also a way of connecting with us and also getting some insights into our lives. Not so much in mine because I'm really um, bad with keeping my Instagram up to date, but Nikki is really good at it. <laughs> So my Instagram uh, is knee whistle N I W I Z Z L E and yours. Um, mine is Nikki Nilaya Yoga. Uh, like my name N I C K Y Nilaya Yoga. That's good. So if you like this episode, you can. Um reach out to them but going to the jungle i think is my best recommendation you know to take a few weeks out that's what i like most about it you take really a few weeks out to stay there in the jungle and go uh, go deep so yeah it was a pleasure to uh, to talk to you today and um thanks to the people for listening thank you jasper